Welcome back to the Breast Cancer Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How was 2022 for you? It was It was pretty great, actually. It went by so fast. I feel like the older we get, the time goes by so fast. Um, I look back and there are so many great things that happened in 2022. And it's like we finally, we are out of seclusion. Of, you know, oh my goodness, indoors. just being able to yes. get out and travel. And I think yes. you even went to some conferences. I went to four conferences in six weeks. <laughs> it was crazy, but... Um, just getting together with people that always fulfills my desire of building relationships, you know, giving and receiving love, which is so important to me and just having people over, going over to people's homes. It was just so incredibly beautiful and just getting rid of that social isolation, which is so important for happiness. Yeah, I agree. And your daughter graduated. We had a huge party in the backyard and uh, it was such a great time. My family was here. Lots of friends were here and, you know, when I was diagnosed seven and a half years ago, I did not even envision being here for yeah. her graduation. And so to be able to take part in the graduation, to see that big milestone, it was huge for mm-hmm. me. And um, and how about you, Monica? How was 2022, 2022 for you? 2022 was great. You know, a lot of lessons learned. Yeah. I feel like I'm always continuing to learn about yeah. myself. And I've been reading so many books. And I read a lot of self-improvement books yeah. in 2022 that has really changed my perspective on life. And I just feel at a really good place of peace, even after my diagnosis. Like I just feel very calm. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for the time to be able to grow and learn. And that's what it should be, right? Yeah. Like every yeah. year we should be we should be growing and, and learning. Yes, exactly. So, and how I, about our podcast? Oh my gosh. It's been over 62 countries, country, something like yeah, that. And it's yeah. been featured on local news yes. and uh, it's really been great. And, you know, when we first started out wanting to do the podcast, my goal was, okay, let's help the people locally here. Yeah. You know, I never envisioned like he'll helping people, right. Not just in the country, but outside the country. So yeah. that has been such a great surprise and uh, such a great thing that's happened for us. Absolutely. And yeah. speaking of local people, our guests today are local to Columbus. Yeah. And we're going to talk about cold capping. Yes. So cold capping is a big deal. It's, you know, women lose hair and they lose their identity as a process of losing hair mm-hmm. for those women who need chemotherapy. And when I tell women that they're breast cancer, the first question I get asked is, am I going to lose my hair? Right. And that's a huge deal. And so uh, our viewers are going to be so happy to listen to these two incredible women who have started this process of cold capping and helping others uh, who are undergoing chemotherapy and to help them to keep their hair. Absolutely. Well, let's get started on the conversation. Yeah, that sounds right. great. Welcome to the Breast Cancer Podcast. I am breast surgeon, Dr. Deepa Hala Harvey. And I'm Monica Brooks, a cancer advocate. And we're both breast breast cancer cancer survivors. survivors. We're here to talk about all things breast cancer. From surgery to survivorship, we know firsthand the challenges and questions a breast cancer diagnosis brings. We are here to tackle topics that impact our lives. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. Today, we have two exciting guests on our podcast, uh, Anne Hauser and Bethany Golden, and uh, they are doing incredible things for the breast cancer community here in Columbus, Ohio. And so I I know so much about you guys, and I have admired and adored what you've been doing for the patients, but I would like for you guys to introduce yourselves. Sure, sure. Um, So Bethany and I have been working together for about the last almost six years. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in November 2016, 
and went through, uh, had a lumpectomy, um, went through chemo in um, early 2017, and then radiation. And during my chemo, I used cold caps, which at the time were not something that people saw very often in infusion centers. And I used cold caps to keep my hair. After I finished chemo, I approached Ohio Health about potentially doing more to support cold cap patients. And that is how I came to know Bethany. My name is Bethany. I own a breast cancer, um, or I should say cancer boutique in Columbus, Ohio, and we have a few locations. We have always done things like head coverings and wigs and post-breast surgery items like breast prosthesis, uh, compression wear. And about four years ago, we started a cold cap therapy program. Now, it sounds like, Anne, you kind of like kicked this off in a way. It wasn't um, something that a lot of people talked about. How did you hear about cold capping and how did you like go about doing it if it wasn't something familiar? I have two kids. And at the time that I was diagnosed, my kids were in fourth grade and first grade. And when we told them that um, I had been diagnosed with breast cancer, they had three questions for me. Um, The first was, are you going to die? And I said, not from this. They said, does it hurt? I said, not a bit. And they said, are you going to lose your hair? Yeah. So um, my MO throughout treatment was just to essentially try and keep life business as usual. And a big part of that was looking healthy. And I immediately, you know, started Googling literally how to keep hair during chemo. At the time, my dad um, was working as a hospital administrator with Ohio Health in cancer services. And he kind of in passing said, I think there are caps that like can help keep hair. And I started Googling, came across penguin cold caps. You know, at the time there's no, they're, they're based virtually. So I reached out to a sales rep in Michigan. I leased caps from them. And, you know, when I would go into the infusion center, most patients for sure. And a lot of the nurses even working in the infusion center would sort of like watch me wheel in this giant cooler filled with dry ice and these gel filled caps. And, you know, people became very invested in what this was and was it working? And I just felt like I I had to give it a shot. You know, my breast surgeon and my medical oncologist were, whom I both love and adore, were super skeptical and were sort of like, yeah, you can give it a try, but you know, chemo normally wins. And so I said, well, what's the worst that happens? I lose my hair, which if I don't try will happen anyway. So I would estimate that I kept probably 75% of my hair oh, Wow! and I just felt like using cold caps allowed me to immediately put chemo in my rear view mirror as soon as I was done. That's amazing that you were able to just take that initiative and you were like doing your own trial. Like, let's see if this works. I don't, I don't know if it will. And, you know, and Bethany, I think you and I had talked about this, like what, what were your thoughts when like this idea of cold caps first came to you? Not the idea, but the process of possibly sourcing them for patients. Well, I'll be honest. I was very skeptical at first. And when Um, One of the directors of cancer services came to me and said, look, this is just an idea. What are your feelings on this? I was like, I don't want to do one more thing. And honestly, I don't think it's going to work. So we, we honestly tried it. And I was the first to admit that, nope, this works. I was wrong. When I went into it, I thought, let's try it. Let's give it our best go at it. And this person 
if I have any control over it, this person isn't going to lose their hair on my watch. So we followed all the rules. And I think coupled with the training that we were given from the, the initial company, the support that we give the patients and um, the ongoing education that we have during the entire process, I think all of those things together have this great result at the end where the patients are able to keep the majority of their hair. Now, granted, we have to give very realistic expectations up front and say, this is what you have to do. This is the result that you will see. You will see some shedding. And everybody's you know, gauge of success is very different. But if you can end chemotherapy and other people, you know, at the grocery store cannot tell, I think that's a success. You know, does your hair look different? Maybe, you know, were you able to color and blow dry or flat iron your hair during your chemotherapy process? No, but at the end of the day, you have hair and you can hit the ground running on the other side and go to your PTO meeting with your kids and nobody ever knows the difference. The thing that I always say is, you know, I think a lot of times when you first hear about cold caps, I think the initial assumption is that it's uh, it has to do with vanity, when in fact, it is kind of the furthest thing from vanity. For me, it's all about dignity and self-respect and self-preservation. And, you know, like Bethany said, being able to the, go to the grocery store and not have people look at you with sick cancer highs, like yes. bless her heart. And yeah you know, go out to dinner with your family and, you know, you ultimately are able to control who knows about your diagnosis and who doesn't, because you don't have sort of that outward sign that like I'm going through chemo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And tell me more about you, what you mean by self-respect. How did that play a part in, um, you said dignity, which is amazing, but talk about self-respect. What did that mean to you? So for me, you know, the thing that I always tell people is if you, look like a healthy person, you will be treated like a healthy person. If you are treated like a healthy person, you will act like a healthy person. Mm. And so I think that just plays into, you know, a patient's overall healing and sense of well-being. That is huge. And that's really huge. Your mind is so important in healing aspect as you're going through therapy. Your mind is important, important all the time anyway. But when you're diagnosed with an illness, it's so important for your mind to think you're healing. You look great. You feel good. And it's so important for your mind to see that. And it's not going to see that if you see your, yourself in the mirror with no hair. So because that's the first thing you see, right? You see, yeah. look at yourself. And when and you so, look in the mirror, you can yeah. look at yourself and say, I'm okay. I'm yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. versus, ugh things are not going well, you know, yeah. it's easy to feel that way. Even, even in the best of times when you're going through treatment, it's easy to feel that way. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. You know, I think being able to look in the mirror and look, you know, have some semblance of normalcy, I think mm -hmm. is so important. I think yeah. that was one of the hardest things for me when I lost yeah. my hair was looking at myself in the mirror because mm -hmm. I knew I was sick and I looked it. it was so hard to learn how to love myself and to feel like I was still beautiful when I really didn't, in my opinion, I didn't look beautiful anymore. Yes. So. And that, and that is the feeling that I have to imagine is, um, persistent even after finishing chemo. So even after you finish chemo and start to feel physically, you know, like some semblance of yourself, when you look in the mirror, it can take years for yeah. your appearance to sort of be restored. Right. And so, right. You know, that's why I say, 
using cold caps allowed chemo to be in my rearview mirror the day I finished chemo. Now, Bethany, you mentioned that you didn't think this was going to work. Was it the cold capping wasn't going to work to keep hair or the whole process of taking this on wasn't going to work? Probably the whole, the whole thing. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is based on education. So when we started talking about this six, six, seven years ago, you know, there wasn't the knowledge about cold capping at all. And, you know, you would hear a little bit here and there that somebody tried it, it didn't work, they still lost their hair, or there were some you know, implications before, like, should we even be doing this? Would it allow the chemotherapy to get into all of the cells? You know, what if somebody has a cell that's in none of that? We, we proved all of that wrong. So it does work. Um, there's no safety implications whatsoever. And uh, we have just made a, a program that uh, we have found that works really, really well. Now, that being said, I will say that along with setting those realistic expectations, cold capping isn't for everyone um, because if cold capping is going to release some stress for you in this process, it absolutely can be for you. If you think the work that is involved, and there is a lot of work involved, um, if you think that will give you more stress, then it's not for you. Um, you know, what we're trying to do is create that normalcy that Anne was talking about so that you can continue to live your life um, during a period of time that you're not in control. This does give you some control. And so we help those patients determine what route is best for them for sure. And so you've probably had to level set those expectations depending on what their goal is with cold capping and, and to say this may not be the right fit for you. Exactly. If I can see a patient, if, if talking about this process, about having a support person and changing a cap every 25 minutes and keeping your scalp at a negative 30 degree Celsius temperature for about eight hours during your infusion day, if that is creating anxiety and stress, then we start to talk about, you know, well, here's another option for you or, you know, what would be best to relieve that anxiety. I mean, let's be honest, nobody wants to need any of these things, whether it's cold capping, chemotherapy, a wig, what have you. Um, and so what we're trying to do is just find the best result for the patient. Now, Anne, back when you did the cold capping, and I guess this is a question for both of you, how much has the process changed? Because Bethany, you talked about it being a lot of work. I have learned that since my diagnosis, like this is a lot, like this requires dedication. Like you have to be willing to do it. Has that process changed from Anne when you started to what it is now? So I'll say, I'll say this and Bethany jump in here at any point. It's definitely an emerging field of work for sure. At the point that I cold capped, there were two basic, I'll say modalities for cold capping. There are the sets of gel filled caps that we use through over my head, um, that get changed out at regular intervals so that you're keeping the scalp at a consistently very cold temperature. There are also actual scalp cooling systems that are certainly less work for the patient, but there are implications for, you know, keeping a, a patient at the infusion center longer. They're sort of chained to that treatment chair um, for the duration of their treatment. When we started building out the program at Ohio Health, we spent about two years looking at all of the different options available and talking to the different manufacturers of both the, the caps and the scalp cooling systems. And we felt like we wanted to build a process and a program that would be best 
first and foremost for the patient, but then also, you know, acknowledging sort of the business of cancer and realizing that our success was going to be limited if this was um, a process that was super intrusive for the infusion center or made for more work with the nurses that were already working really hard. So we spent a lot of time and effort making sure that we chose something that was going to be you know, successful for the patient, but then also supported by the med staff. Now I would say to your question, Monica, there are, we're starting to see, and we're actually, you know, starting to have conversations with other companies that are sort of startups where you have, you know, maybe a, a portable machine. So, you know, a sort of a marriage of the caps in the system, you know, the scalp cooling machine so that a patient doesn't necessarily maybe have to work as hard changing out the caps, but but can also then continue scalp cooling after their infusion is over and they can do it from the comfort of their home and their couch. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it makes me think like 20 years from now, are we going to say, do you remember when we used to have to like change these out and keep, you know, look at all that work and how easy it is now. So this is going to be evolving over the next few years, I would imagine, and continue to evolve to make it easier for the patient. Well, sure. And when, and you know, when I was um, going through treatment and people were trying to understand sort of the basic science of what this is, I mean, the basic science is you are cooling the scalp to a point that the, the hair follicles are restricted and the chemotherapy agents aren't able to reach those tiny hair follicles. And um, anecdotally, the infusion center nurses would tell stories of how for years there have been like wives tales about, you know, if I keep a bag of frozen peas on my head, wow, this may help. And similarly, well, you know, for neuropathy with their hands and their feet, keeping bags of frozen vegetables, you know, anywhere that they're trying to prevent nerve damage. And so going back to the medical side of it with chemotherapy, the chemo to better understand chemotherapy attacks the rapidly dividing cancer cells to which our hair also has those rapidly rapidly dividing. dividing, And that's why we lose our hair. Yeah. Uh, Bethany, can you talk about the process today as it is and what someone would expect if they say, yes, this is something I want to do? Sure. So at over my head, we do it a little differently than if a patient was all on their own and they didn't have a cancer center that provides a service like this. Um, we rent all of the equipment that they need or, or give, I should say, all of the equipment that they need each and every infusion time. So when the patient is ready for their infusion on that day, they swing by the boutique and they pick up this pre-made kit that includes the, uh, cap, the caps, the frozen bands, the dry ice, the cooler, and all of the accessories, such as a thermometer to take the temperature of the cap, um, the little skin protection. Um, right now, we use little panty liners cut into different shapes um, because it's the perfect shape to cover the ear and the hairline, and it stays in place because of the sticky side, and it's just thick enough to protect the skin while also providing um, an even cooling consistency on your scalp because you don't want it too thick and then or then your hairline then wouldn't get that same cooling consistency. So we provide everything every single time and then they just pull their uh, kit up to the infusion center and they continue along with their day. They then take the kit home and for an allotted time after their infusion ends, 
and it does depend on the chemotherapy regimen. Anywhere between three and seven hours after their infusion is over, they continue cold capping to achieve the half-life after the chemotherapy is over so that they have a better chance of saving as much hair as possible. So they're spending that much time, their, their scalp, their head is going to be at a negative 30 degrees for that long during that day, for up yes. to seven hours. Was that correct? So it's an hour prior to their chemotherapy beginning. So it's during the time that they're accessing their port or starting an IV, um, doing their pre-med. And that 50 minutes lines up pretty, pretty well with all of the things that the nurse has to do prior to their infusion beginning. Then they do their infusion. And so they are changing their caps every 25 minutes during this full time. Then as soon as their infusion is over, that's when the clock begins for their post-cooling. And their post-cooling can be anywhere between three and seven hours, depending on their regimen. So this, again, takes a lot of dedication (laughs) to be able to stick to this. Do you know, I'm just curious how many patients like go through it all, or do some give up? Like, this is just too much. I just wonder if there's anything like the success rate of people who have done every single chemo. Cause I imagine some people are like, Whoa, I didn't really, you know, realize, or maybe they didn't have a friend to come with them to chemo and they, they didn't, they weren't able to change it out. Like do things come up to where they just can't finish a few different, a few different things. So we have learned and they've been changing chemotherapy regimens. Obviously they do it all the time. And, um, there are new, new regimens. In fact, there, I think last October, they started the new regimen for triple negative breast cancer, where they do the AC at the end instead of the beginning. And they add, um, gosh, Keytruda to- Yeah, Pembrolizumab or Keytruda, correct. So that we did not know anything about. So when we first started um, with a cold capping patient, we said, yeah, absolutely. Let's try it. Let's give it a go. Just to let you know, we have no education on how this works with that regimen. So we gave it a go. And during the first 12 regimens, it works really, really well. Once they hit the AC at the end, it really takes the hair, at least from what we've seen so far. And so, yes, there have been a few people that have decided to give it up because again, it's such a commitment. If you've then lost your hair, a few patients have decided to not finish doing the cold capping. But Um, Research also shows that if you do continue cold capping, even if you've lost your hair, it does help regrow hair on the backside more quickly. Yeah, compliance is key. I mean, and I think part of why Bethany has such a thorough sort of intake process with everybody that comes to see her, because it's really important to kind of manage those expectations up front to say compliance is key. It's not like you can take a week off. You have to be committed to being super gentle with your hair, no hair color, no hair dryers, no, you know, anything, anything that's going to stress the hair you have to avoid. Bethany, did you mention brushing also? Like, do you, do they brush their hair more gentle? You know, are they more gentle with their hair when they brush it? Or I felt like there was something else you mentioned brush. It was a hair color blow dryer. What was the other thing? Definitely. You can brush your hair and you want to keep your hair tangle free, but you also want to be really careful with it. So no, um, we, we try not to have anybody pull their hair back because Mm. anywhere, anywhere that the hair follicle is moving around or being rubbed against, they will lose their hair during, you know, in those, in those spaces. It sounds like a lot of do not do's, but at the end of the day, if you leave your hair there and just try not to touch it, you have a better chance of keeping more of it for sure. When I go to see patients, uh, patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, 
Sometimes I walk into the room, no, even though I know that they're getting chemotherapy, I have to ask them, are you, you're getting chemotherapy, right? Because their hair is still there. They look like how they looked when they were first diagnosed. And one of the biggest things I have noticed is when I first started working, I would hear so much about neuropathies in the fingers. And that's a very big quality of life issue. And now I don't hear that at all. I, in fact, I have to ask patients, do you have you know tingling, numbness in your fingers? And most people don't. So that has been a huge, incredible change in the practice that I have seen because you know, I started practicing way before cold caps. So it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for quality of life for patients. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head with quality yeah. of life. And yeah. I think Anne mentioned that as well. Yeah. What about insurance? Like, I'm sure that's a big question you get asked. Is this covered by insurance or does Ohio Health have a foundation? I feel like there was some, something in there like that. Is that correct? Yes. Ohio Health um, does have a foundation because cold capping, it can be really expensive. Um, and unfortunately, insurance does not pay for it yet. However, I think it will work in that direction. You know, it's relatively new and it just not that it's just getting on the market, but I would say, you know, between the education of the patients and uh, physicians, I think it will grow. What the problem is right now is cold capping doesn't have a CPT code for billing purposes. And, and when I started uh, my business 16 years ago, neither did wigs. But since we've, I've been doing this, there is a CPT code for wigs. More insurance companies are covering them. So we're, I'm sure we'll work in the right direction, but that's part of it. So through Ohio Health, because we wanted this program to succeed, um, we do support each patient in the cost 75% for each patient. Yeah, it was part of one of the fundraisers and they you know, were able to raise a lot of money. And so many people are so grateful for all you guys' efforts because their pay, patients who come from lower socioeconomic background cannot afford it. But thanks to you guys and all the hard work that you have done, that's now available to all these patients. So I, my heart just gets so happy to see and hear people like you who are making such a huge difference in this world. So well, we always say, I mean, no one should get to keep their hair just because they can afford yes. it. I mean, it should be yes. something that's accessible and available <laughs> to everyone. So the work we've been doing, you know, has helped to hopefully defray a big chunk of that cost for patients. And to Bethany's point, you know, for people that are through, you know, Ohio Health patients have access to funds through the Ohio Health Foundation. If you're not an Ohio Health patient, I would say the Rapunzel Project website is a great yes. resource. Um, they have a lot of information about, you know, there's rumors of reimbursement, you know, for insurance or, you know, reimbursement in lieu of a wig through insurance. That's a great resource. I send people there a lot when they're being treated through other health systems. Is that Rapunzel, what's it, Rapunzel Project? The Rapunzel Project. Is that for Columbus or can other listeners? It's nation- a national, it's a nation- oh, it's a national perfect. nonprofit. Yeah, yeah the yeah. women that started it, I believe were based out of the Minneapolis St. Paul area. And um, we actually consulted with them quite a bit um, when we were starting our program and hit, they've been very supportive of the work that they do is aside from being a fantastic resource with information about technologies available and insurance information and where you can find caps in your local area, they also will cover the cost of biomedical freezers. So the caps that we use have to be kept or frozen at very cold temperatures. And so their nonprofit covers the cost of 
the freezer, but we just have to pay the the shipping costs. Dr. Hala Harvey and I recently were looking at our podcast statistics and we're in over 60 countries now, which is amazing. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So I, I wonder for our listeners, Anne, you mentioned how you kind of did your own research and you were able to rent one. Is this, do you know if this is something that is still available for people to rent? Or I guess Bethany's nodding. Yes. Does that sound correct? So Penguin Cold Cast is actually out of the UK. So they're yeah. an international company and you can go to their website and order the products to be shipped to you directly. And then it gives you um, your own personalized schedule of use, meaning the timing and the temperatures that you would need. They have an online intake form. So based on lots of different variables, it will spit out your own um, instructions and protocol and they ship you the entire kit directly. And then you do have to find, the patient would have to find dry ice to then cool the caps and rotate them through the cooler. But you certainly can do it on your own if you're not in a hospital system that provides a service like this. When we started looking into this, um, cold capping has been around for decades actually, and is something that's much more prevalent in Europe. It's amazing. That is amazing. So what's next for cold capping and over my head boutique? So we just finished a retrospective clinical study um, that we will be able to share the finalized results here in a in some publication that we're still looking at. So that's super duper exciting. Our success um, rates that we are finding are higher than anything that's previously been published. We're excited about that. It, and gives, it gives me chills when you talk. Yes, that's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. You're making a huge difference in this world. Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. No, thank you so much. Um, It's just really exciting because, uh, again, like I said, six years ago, I was like, ugh, fine, let's try this. Yeah. And very begrudgingly, I would say, right, Anne? And then um, we loved it and it really works. And it's just a really another great option for the patients as they, you know, go through this process. And I think our challenge as we move forward is going to be figuring out how we continue to grow this program. I mean, the way the program exists right now, is entirely in because of the, you know, the really hard work that Bethany and her staff do in helping to support patients. So as we look to grow the program and serve more patients in more locations, um, our challenge is going to be figuring out, you know, how we continue to do that in a way that's scalable, in a way that's affordable for patients. You know, this is an area that I think will continue to see the cost come down. Yeah. Because it's so new. And then, you know, figuring out how we get the word out, because I think that, you know, I'm six years out of treatment and every day I still talk to people that are like, you can do this. This is a thing. Yeah. So it's been a little bit of a a chicken or egg challenge for us because we are so excited and we would love to shout from the rooftops that we have this mechanism available to patients, but we're almost like, but we need to make sure we can take care of everybody. Yeah. 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 If someone wanted to make a donation to go towards cold capping, how would they go about doing that? They would do it through the Ohio Health Foundation. Um, they could do it online or um, they could reach out to the foundation directly okay. and um, they can specify that the funds go towards the cold cap okay. therapy program. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So they know they have to specify that. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? This has been so helpful and just the work that you both are doing and trying to spread the word and, and just, you know, having that idea, like what else can we do to get this started once you started the cold capping and Bethany for you, 
even though it was reluctant at first to, to really say like, you know what, this is, this can make a difference. And this is something that we can do. It's always hard to take on more work, you know, like nobody really wants to take on more work, but when you realize the impact and the empowerment it gives women, like there, nothing beats that, like nothing beats that at all. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, I kind of to draw a parallel with this podcast, because I have to tell you guys, I, I wish, where were you six years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah. The information that you're giving, you know, people is so great. And, you know, I, I would imagine that kind of similar to my work with cold caps, it helps to give your own diagnosis purpose. Yes. Yes, me. absolutely. Yeah. I think so, that's where we take our power back yes. from what cancer took from us is yeah. We feel like, you know what, let's do something with the knowledge that we have and make the world a better place. And to help these patients who feel, I felt helpless when I was first diagnosed, like I didn't know where to turn, what to do, but you know, we all have a choice when we're diagnosed and how we want to use the rest of our lives. And for us, for all of us here, it's, you know, I know Bethany, you're not a cancer survivor, correct? Yeah. But, but we're still being able to make an impact on other people. And I just think nothing is nothing, nothing's better than that. Like it's a part of our legacy, which we talk about as well. Absolutely. And you guys are true heroes. Yeah. Oh, what you guys well, are doing likewise. is thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, that's, that's well, it for thank me. You. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I'm just tearing up thinking about how wonderful you guys are and all the change oh. you're making in this world. So thank you. Make sure you both great. go out since you look fabulous. Don't waste that. <laughs> I, hair. I, think there's a, I think there's a brunch somewhere with my name. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh my goodness. That, was, that was so good. That you, was so good. Yeah. And sometimes like I, I think, okay, how can what they do here in Columbus, how can this help other people as well who aren't in Columbus and right. don't have access to this? And that's why um, it was great to find out that company in the UK. Yeah. And if you want to do this on your own, you absolutely can. Yeah. So, yeah. and the Rapunzel project is nationwide. And so that's true. And too. people yeah. can go to the website to find more information, yeah. but you know, to going back to what Bethany and Anne did is just that one thought. Yeah. Let me see if it works for me. If it works for me, how I can help others. Yeah. So it doesn't just stop with how it helped you, but you also want to take that and help others. Yeah. And I think that's where, I mean, that's where their true heroes is because they're wanting to help everyone, regardless mm-hmm. of their socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. So if something good happens to you, why, how can I share with others? Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes for the kind of human beings they are. It does. And we just, we have so much power that's yeah. not tapped into until we get a diagnosis sometimes, yes. you know, like yes. be able to do something like this yeah. or Anne using her diagnosis to yeah. help other people. It's yeah. like, it does make you feel empowered when you can impact the lives of others. People we are never going to meet. People right. she right. and Bethany are never going to right. meet. Like, right. you know that you're impacting complete strangers yes. and that that's enough. That that's is enough. enough. So that's enough. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.